Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson, and I am spiraling out of control. I just, oh, man, things are busy. Like, so busy. And I'm also, like, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm trying to, like, not just work, all right? Work is always busy. But I'm also trying to go down this path of trying to make these new connections and meet new people with uh, all of these different autism awareness groups and education organizations and all of that, which is just the biggest oxymoron because I, like my biggest thing is I don't do social interactions well. And so now I got to go meet people and talk about things. Sounds terrible, but there's also a ton of opportunity there. And it's just a lot. There's a lot going on. And so on top of doing this podcast and the other podcasts that I do for work, which probably not interesting to this audience, but yeah, it's, it's a lot, bro. It's a lot. And so, uh, it's hard to find the energy at the end of the day or the end of the week to do the things that I enjoy doing. And so I am working on it and I have found a, a small window where I, I, I feel like recording it, recording an episode. So we're doing it. Granted is that episode being fueled by panic, despair, anxiety, and, uh, overwhelmedness, whatever that word is. Yeah, absolutely. It is. But that's also just how I live my life right now on a daily basis. It's a lot of fun. I can't, I can't recommend it at all. (laughs) Ah, anyway, let's, what are we talking about this week? We're talking about some, uh, unusual uprisings in history. Some, some, uh, rebellions and, and, you know, whatever other words there are coups, maybe, maybe a coup, um, you know, just, but, but really just odd, you know, not like, not like odd in like the January 6th thing. Like that was more just sad, but these are weird and we're going to look at them right now. So we're looking at uh, three stories today. We are looking at the uh, Jayuya uprising, the Hanafi siege, and our first story here of Murder Island, which was named after Captain James Murder, uh, who was a philanthropic missionary with just, I mean, really just an unfortunate last name. I mean, kind of like those people whose last names are like slaughter. Like, it's just, it's sad. Um, But he landed on this island off the coast of Australia in 1629 and actually converted the entire island of aborigines to catholicism and we learned about him um in our christian school i mean like even though like i grew up in a free uh, free will baptist christian school we pretty much most of our history outside of like presidents and wars was just missionaries like we spent so much time 
on people like David Livingston, uh, D.L. Moody, Billy Sunday, all these people who like fine. They're like they were part of history. I get it. But we didn't need to spend half of a year on the Great Awakenings. We didn't. We just didn't. There were more important things to learn about. But we did learn about this guy, Captain James Murder, um, just this British missionary who just he converted this entire island to Catholicism. And like I said, like, even though we thought that Catholics were just dirty, hellbound sinners and like you know, our teachers, when they went over this guy was, <laughs> were, you know, really kind of flippant about it, but it was really spun in a way, just like, this is the kind of ambition and drive that all missionaries should possess, even if they're spreading lies about Jesus and worshiping Mary and all the other silly things that Catholics do. But whatever we learned about him and, and murder actually worked with the British government. Um, after he had converted this entire Island to Catholicism, he worked with the British government to actually set up schools and a working government on this Island. And it was a really successful Island. Like the Aborigines, a lot of historians, um, will tell you like Australian historians will tell you that murder Island and the Aborigines there were on track to be kind of the the driving force behind the entire country of Australia's GDP. Like they were doing so many good things in the and you know with even just a small island. But then um in 1695 a cyclone came through, one of the most powerful cyclones uh in the Indian Ocean's history. And it just wiped out this entire island. All right very few survivors all of the buildings got destroyed and just the island never recovered and if you believed any of that crap what are you doing why are you here none of that's true (laughs) none of that's true and look and i know i know a couple of people i went to school with uh were probably listening to that and be like i don't remember that at all Yeah, because it didn't happen. There's nobody. There was no James Captain James murder. No, none of that's true. I don't know why I just wasted like four minutes of this episode going down that rabbit hole, but I did. Um, the the real story uh, happened on October twenty eighth, sixteen twenty eight, when the Dutch East India Company la- uh, launched a ship named the Batavia from the Netherlands en route to Jakarta, Indonesia. There were three hundred and forty one people on board, along with a large amount of silver and spices that were to be delivered to Indonesia. But not long after the ship set sail, people on board began plotting a mutiny to turn the Batavia into a pirate ship because, you know, 1600s, that's just what happened. Um, The plan started when a group of rebels sexually assaulted the daughter of a wealthy merchant with the hopes of eliciting retaliation from the Dutch government. But the Dutch government didn't really care. Um, So on June 4th, 1629, the Batavia actually ended up striking Morning Reef, uh, roughly 40 miles off the coast of Western Australia. And when it did that, the ship immediately began to sink. People were jumping overboard, um, trying to swim to nearby islands but in the process in the panic and the and the chaos of this ship going down 40 people on board died um once the survivors had all kind of collected themselves on the same island 
uh, Geronimus, a guy named Geronimus Cornelis, took the initiative to proclaim himself the leader of the group and started making plans uh, to start a new kingdom with the goods that had been salvaged from the shipwreck. Like he wasn't even going to w- try to get rescued. He's just like, yeah, this is our new. We're going to just make a new country now, and that's the, this is our life now. Going to just deal with it. Um, he and his gang then imprisoned everyone that they felt threatened their power, which turned out to be most of the people who survived the shipwreck. Um, Cornelius then requested a group of soldiers led by Weeby Hayes to go to the next island over to see if they could find some fresh water because this current island they were on not really big enough to have like a spring or anything. So he told Hayes's group to light signal fires when they found water and once they saw the signal, Cornelise would then come retrieve them with one of the Batavia's longboats. However, Cornelise, in, in his plan, he never actually intended on bringing those people back to the island. He was just going to send them off and then kill them because obviously that means more water for, for him. Um, so with the soldiers out of the way, Cornelise and his men just started killing everything that annoyed them, which basically just turned into killing everything for fun. They murdered a baby to stop it from crying, which I think is an effective method. I don't condone it. I don't condone it, but that's a way to make a baby stop crying. I can't argue with the, with the results there. Um, they also decapitated a young boy just to test out the sharpness of their blades. Um, they also just killed an entire family just because like no real reason. They just did it. And by the end of July, over a hundred more people were dead. All right. So there were, what did I say? There were like 300, there were 341 people on this boat. All right. 40 people died in the, the shipwreck. All right. So you have 301 people. You got Cornelise. He's the leader. He's got 300 other people to try to figure out what to do with. So he kills 60 of them pretty much within a month, which is insane. And then, Meanwhile, while he's killing all of these people, the group of soldiers that he had sent over to the other island, they're having a party. Everything's going great. All right. Uh, Hayes and his men had actually found plenty of food and plenty of fresh water and had actually started accepting refugees from the other island because Cornelise, he was not he was ignoring their uh, signal fires and he was just busy killing everybody and people who were on the island with Cornelise, they were trying to escape and they were just swimming over to the other island where they were like being welcomed as, as refugees and getting asylum. Um, Hayes quickly obviously learned of all the mass murder that was going on. And so he started building uh, his own weapons from the shipwrecked materials and constructed a fort to keep watch in case Cornelise and his men decided to invade. For the next three months, these people are marooned for three months, four months, technically, because we're already a month in. Um, Both parties waited for help. Uh, On the fun island, life went on as usual, all right? But on Murder Island, which is how this island got its name, life was essentially like a scene out of Lord of the Flies. If you've seen that movie, I haven't, but I get the context and the reference. As women were repeatedly being raped, obviously, what else are they going to do? Um, and most everyone else who did not have a vagina was just murdered. 
Um, Cornelis also launched several attacks on Hayes' island once he found out that there was food and water over there, but each time uh, his group got defeated. <clears throat> when the rescue ship, the Sardam, finally arrived, both Cornelis and Hayes raced out to the ship to tell their side of the story and try to get them on their respective sides. Um, Captain Francisco Pelser uh, sided with Hayes because he had basically committed the least amount of murders. Uh, together, Pelsert and Hayes then launched an attack on Murder Island, and within a few hours, everyone there, uh, at least in power, had been captured. Uh, the rebels, uh, Cornelis and his men, were then water-tortured in order to get the entire story, which um, resulted in all of them either getting hanged, having their hands chopped off, which sounds terrible, or just being taken to Jakarta for a more formal execution. Um, in the end, this is what's crazy. Only 68 people originally on board the Batavia made it to Jakarta. All right. So Cornelis ended up killing, uh, between the shipwreck and Cornelis to uh, like 250 people or more died. Like it's over 250. Yeah. Died. Like it's crazy. Um, today, archeologists actually are still excavating, the remains of people who were shipwrecked and massacred on murder Island. Like they, they're still finding bodies. It's insane. Um, our next story here, uh, starts in 1922 when a group of men founded the Puerto Rican nationalist party with the primary goal of making Puerto Rico an independent nation. Uh, by the 1930s, the American government wasn't really a fan of this group because they saw them as a rebel group. And so they arrested Albizo Campos, the party's president and sent him to a federal prison in Atlanta. Uh, on March 21st, 1937, the police showed up at a nationalist parade expecting a coup, and then they ended up shooting 19 people. So things not going great. Um, in 1947, Campos, he's out of prison and he returns to Puerto Rico and is greeted with new laws prohibiting the creation and distribution of anti-government materials, as well as the organization and assembly of any group with the intent to overthrow the government. And by the government, I mean the American government, even though Puerto Rico wasn't even a state, it was just like a protected territory. Um, I, it's just, it's weird how all of this was worked. And I mean, and, and here's the thing, although this law was a clear violation of the first amendment under which Puerto Rico was protected, um, the United States government didn't care because like I said, Puerto Rico wasn't a state and the tradition of treating the Island like a forgotten colony just continued on. Um, and for the next few years, however, the nationalists, they kind of survived underground and they prepared for an armed revolution, which is exactly what happens when you try to just take people's rights away. Um, on October 26, 1950, Campos was holding a meeting in the city of Vajardo, Fajardo, Fajardo, um, when someone told him that the police had surrounded his home in San Juan and wanted to arrest him after having already arrested several other nationalist leaders. So basically he's being told that there's this sting operation going on and a lot of people, a lot of people in the nationalist party are getting arrested. Um, <clears throat> at that point, Campos was just like, Nah, dog. And he orders the revolution to begin. Um, and he picks the town of Jayuya halfway across the island as the place where it would happen. The next day, police in Penuela. That's weird. That's a weird, weird word. It's it's 
like it's spelled like penuelos, penuel, but it's got that little accent over the end. So you go that yeah, and I my my mouth can't do that. Pen penuelos, where it's a town. Um, they intercepted a nationalist caravan heading for Jayuya and actually killed four people. Uh, three days later, nationalists staged revolts in several Puerto Rican towns, including Ponce, Mayaguez, Naranjito, Arecibo, Utuado, and San Juan. Killing it on the accent. Uh, meanwhile, in Jayuya, um, nationalists gathered at the home of Blanca Canales, one of the nationalist leaders, where she had been stockpiling weapons, which always a good start. Um the nationalists all armed themselves and then marched to the police station in Jayuya. And within minutes, one officer was dead. And then the rest of the police force surrendered. Uh, the nationalists then cut the telephone lines and burned down the post office. Uh, Canales, this woman led uh, the group into the town square and raised the Puerto Rican flag and then declared Puerto Rico an independent Republic. Uh, Luis Marine, the governor of the island, immediately declared martial law. But instead of uh, sending in the National Guard to calm the situation, Marin called the Air Force and sent P-47 Thunderbolt bombers set up artillery and mortar fire on the perimeter of town and had Puerto Rican soldiers lob grenades into the city. It's it's a full on war zone. Um, The planes machine gunned nearly every building in Jayuya, destroying 70% of the city. And not surprisingly, like the nationalists quickly surrendered, right? Because it's like they didn't, they probably didn't expect the Puerto Rican governor to essentially call in the United States military that was based in Puerto Rico to just come and just bomb this entire city. Um, Word got out, obviously, uh, reached the States. Nationalists who were actually living in New York City at the time actually made plans to assassinate President Harry S. Truman. Um, and at that time, the White House was actually undergoing renovation. So Truman was staying at the Blair House in another part of Washington, D.C. And on November 1st, a group of nationalists attacked the Blair House with no other plan than to just shoot everything in their path until they got to the president. However, obviously, uh, they did not plan on running into a guy named Leslie Coffelt, who was a White House police officer standing at the doorway. Coffelt was shot three times, but managed to kill one of the attackers with a single shot to the head and then prevented the others from getting any further. Um, but he did die from his wounds a few hours later, but he stopped, you know, the president from getting assassinated. So, I mean, I'm sure. Cool. Um, back in Puerto Rico, all of the nationalist leaders were arrested and sent to prison. Most of them were, however, eventually released. Um, President Truman did go on to authorize a referendum in 1952 to clarify the United States relationship with Puerto Rico, which basically just kept things as they were rather than grant them statehood, which I look, I'm not well versed in politics, but I don't understand why Puerto Rico isn't a state like it's big enough to be a state. It's got enough of a population to be a state. It'd be a great vacation spot for people. I mean, I guess you could vacation there now, but like still, I don't know. You could put a baseball team there. I mean, you could still do that now. I don't basically the point is like why isn't it a state? I don't I could probably educate myself on that further. It just doesn't make sense. Anyway, our final story here uh, happened on March 9th, 1977, when a dozen gov- gunmen from the Hanafi movement, which was uh, the splinter sect of the Nation of Islam, which 
Great group of people, by the way. Um, I'm kidding. Um, they entered three different buildings in Washington, D.C., and took a total of 149 people hostage. Um, it started when seven gunmen broke into a Jewish community center and took 100 hostages because Islam and Jews. Um, an hour later, three more gunmen went into the Islamic center of Washington and took 11 more hostages. So now we're just taking everybody hostage, right? That's like... <laughs> that's like the proud boys going into a Baptist church and taking everyone hostage. Just doesn't that's those are the people who are going to most likely be on your side. Like go to a, go to a gender studies class at a college. Those are going to be your enemies, right? Um, anyway, <laughs> the final two gunmen uh, went to the district building, which was the government headquarters for the city of Washington, DC and began looking for people, important people to kidnap. Uh, those two gunmen found their targets on the fifth floor of the district building. However, they were so nervous about actually going through with the kidnapping that when an elevator door opened, they immediately thought that the Marines had broken into the building and started like just firing their weapons all willy nilly. Um, instead, it was just a guy named Maurice Williams, who was a radio reporter looking for someone to interview for a boring government report. And he was immediately killed, right? Like you don't just take a face full of machine gun bullets and survive. Um, future mayoral train wreck, Marion Barry was also hit in the chest with a ricocheting bullet and rushed to the hospital. And if you don't know Marion Barry's story, go look it up. He was, woo. he's, he was the mayor, I think of Washington DC for a while. And he, he did, he was, he was up to some shenanigans. Um, the group's leader, Hamas Abdul Khalis, was really mad. This is the whole reason all of this has happened. This dude was really mad about having his family murdered four years prior by another Muslim group, the Black Mafia, which I get it. Um, beyond that, Hamas also wanted to ban the film Muhammad Messenger of God, which wasn't even an American-made film, from being shown in theaters because he thought it was blasphemous, obviously, because God forbid you show Muhammad in anything because he was special, I guess. Um then, since he could also just do it, I guess, he also demanded a meeting with Muhammad Ali and $750 to reimburse himself for legal fees from a contempt of court citation. So this dude's really unhinged, right? And I love, I don't know why I ordered it this way. It started with like the most reasonable reaction to sending 11 gunmen out into the nation's capital to take hostages, but then it just progressively got more insane, right? So he's mad that is that like the black mafia killed his family. Totally understandable. I would be too. All right. I think I would go about, uh, taking my revenge differently. You know, I would probably just go after the group that killed my family rather than just a bunch of random people, but whatever, whatever, you know, cultural differences, I guess. Um, you know, and, Look, fine. I you want to be mad about some foreign-made film that might show Muhammad that goes against your religion? Fine, sure, tack that on. I like that's just a huge trigger for Muslims. I'm I can't even begin to understand it, but sure, whatever. Like that's their deal, All right? But now you're just gonna demand a meeting with Muhammad Ali, and you're also just gonna demand seven hundred and fifteen dollars because you got hit with a contempt of court citation. Like only $750, like go ahead. Like you're already being ridiculous. Just go ahead and ask for like a billion dollars because you're not going to get it regardless. Um, 
Jimmy Carter, who's the president at the time, he clearly had better things to do. And so he called up the ambassadors from Egypt, Iran, and Pakistan, um, who then showed up to the district buildings and read portions of the Quran to Hamas, like over a megaphone. Um, and that tactic actually worked. And along with, uh, he did get the film banned. And so Hamas released all of the hostages. He didn't get to meet Muhammad Ali. And I don't think he got his 750 bucks. Um, but he was given 21 to 120 years in prison where he was sent to uh, the federal penitentiary in Butner, North Carolina, where he died in 2013. So there you go. Um, I think this this episode really encapsulates like what I wanted to do with this podcast. Like these are three insane stories, and you probably did not had never heard of any of them, right? Just never even remotely crossed your path throughout your life or in history class or anything like that. And so that's that's what I like about doing this show is just illuminating these stories to show you that the world has always been an insane dumpster fire of a place. And with that, let's see what we learn. What did we learn? Number one, Captain James murder, not a real person. All right. It's called murder Island because a bunch of people got murdered on it right? Uh, number two, why isn't Puerto Rico a state? I don't know. Are we really like going to be super OCD about like the whole 50 states thing? Honestly, like we could probably get away with like splitting up California in a couple places. We can add Puerto Rico, maybe add like Guam or something. I don't know. We can probably get up to 55, maybe even 60 really easily. Do we have to do 50? Are we concerned that's going to mess up the flag? If we add an extra star in there, who cares? We need to redesign the flag anyway. Flag's boring. Uh, Number three, uh, the Hanafi siege happened all because uh, this guy's family got murdered, but he also just really wanted to meet Muhammad Ali. Next week on Our Weird World, we're doing something different. I'm going to start a series of what I'm going to call the Weird Fun Bag. It's just going to be three completely unrelated random stories, but just weird stories nonetheless. Um, We are going to talk about Jeffrey Hudson, Jerome of Sandy Cove, and the 19-year duel. And we're going to do that um, just to start every month. It's going to be the first episode of the month for the next several months. Um, I'm going to obviously pause between like serial killer September and the Halloween themed stuff. But in general, I'm just going to be doing a lot of these weird fun bags basically because I just have a ton of stories that I want to tell you guys, but they don't fit in any given theme. So that's how I solved that problem. I'm an idea man, full of genius. So that's it. Thank you all so much for continuing to listen. Uh, Keep telling all your friends and keep it weird. (laughs) 
The mixtapes got a little Hank, little Drake, a little something bumping, thumb thumping on the wheel, right? The mix in our drinks a little stronger than you think. So get a grip, take a sip of that feel, right? Trucks jacked up, flat bills flipped back. Yeah, you can find us where the party's at. Yeah, baby, this is how we roll. We rollin' into town with nothing else to do. We take another lap around. Yeah, holla at your boy if you need a ride. If you roll with me, yeah, you know we rollin' high. Up on them 37 nittos, windows tinted, hard to see though. How fresh my baby is in the shotgun seat, oh. Them kisses are for me, though. Automatic like a free throw. This life I live, it might not be for you, but it's for me, though. This is how we roll. Whoa, whoa. We hanging round, singing down everything on the radio. Whoa, whoa. We light it up with our hands up. This is how we roll. This is how we do. We're burning down the night, shooting bullets at the moon, baby. This is how we roll. Whoa, whoa. And we gonna sing it to them. Yeah, we're proud to be young. We stick to our guns. We love who we love and we want to have fun. Yeah, we cuss on them Mondays and pray on them Sundays pass it around and we dream about one day this is how we roll whoa whoa we hanging around singing down everything on the radio whoa whoa we light it up with our hands up this is how we roll this is how we do when the world turns ugly i just turn and look at you baby this is how we roll whoa